Hey, good evening, Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope, as well as our other streaming channels. And uh, Periscope will be going away soon, so uh, it will be Twitter Live from here on out. Um, and it is Thursday, 9 p.m., uh, episode four to Crown Rules, A Woman's Journey to the Throne. Um, good evening, Julia. Good evening, Quentin. How are you tonight? I'm great. Um, how's everything going? How was your week? My week has been very productive, interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm happy that it's a new month. Uh, mm -hmm. March seems to have taken forever. So happy April to you and to everybody in our audience. <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem to fly. I mean, you know, every time the new year and we did a new year's New Year's Eve show, when the new year drops, it seems like January drags on a little slow and then February, boom, gone. Then March, um, next thing you know, people be running around in their bathing suits and swimming trunks, <laughs> yes. enjoy, enjoying the beaches. So uh, yes. we always want to stay in the moment and and, and try to uh, enjoy and live life to the best of our ability. Absolutely. Any, anyway, business <laughs> as business as usual. Um, yes. Tonight's topic is chapter chapter three. Yes. Um, and it's titled the heart. Your heart, yes. The heart. Um, interesting topic. I took a couple notes. Um, what would you like to discuss in 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 this topic and in examining and critiquing your heart? I know that you said it is like a modern day love pageant. Explain that. So, um, this chapter of the book really tries to get the reader to focus on their identity how identity is formed. And usually our identity is developed through the experiences that we have with others. And if those are positive experiences, everything is good. If they're not so positive, then there can be some compromise to the self-identity. And what I really ask women to do is consider you know, we always, you know, got to make sure the hair is laid, the outfits are done, you know, got the right pocketbook, the right shoes. And there's, it's almost like we're in a pageant and in competition to, you know, be most valued, most honored, most cherished, right? And so what I, um, what I try to ask the reader to do is to imagine who they are without all of those things. And when it comes down to it, you know, our heart is our most beautiful accessory. Um, but I don't think that we necessarily think of our hearts in that way. And, you know, I think that a lot of us are walking around with broken hearts. Mm. And so I bring it to the forefront so that we can we can look at it. We can we can look at our hearts. We can understand where our hearts may have been broken and understand how that heartbreak may influence our identity and and to be able to clean that up. So when we we discuss the heart, do you think that more more people um just assume that the heart is the root of your organ? far as pumping blood, so forth and so on. Do they do you think a lot of people don't understand that this is the root of your emotion? Good good or bad. And this is like how it, how it weighs on 
as you would say, the heart. Um, how it's like the vehicle to, that that drives you. Um, it's the instrument of what you may, what you or or a person or I or another person may deem as important. I think from a um, a health perspective, we may consider our hearts. Um, usually we only think about our hearts from a physical perspective if we start to have problems with our hearts, right? Like high blood pressure, <laughs> you know, and, and, and those kinds of things. Or if we exert too much energy and our, our blood pressure rises, or if we have high blood pressure, that's the time that we tend to think of our hearts mm -hmm. most. But I don't think that we always think about what contributes to those physical to those physical ailments. Um, usually when you look up like the number one cause of heart disease, it's like smoking, um, diet, exercise, etc. But for me, there's something that happens before the smoking. There's not something that happens before the diet and there's something that happens before the lack of exercise. And I really believe that that lives in the heart. That's where we hold our emotions. Mm -hmm. And if we, we don't have those positive emotions there, it it affects our physical body. Yeah, you spoke you spoke about that. You said poor self-esteem leads to poor choices. Yes. Positive self-esteem speaks to positive choices. Yes. Uh, but explain that in detail. I know it's it's self-explanatory, but a lot of people may feel like, you know, I don't have poor self-esteem. What what you know, when they're assessing because just to give the chat an explanation of the book is the book literally is a self-help book. You can't read it, read it like a lot of other books, like in third person, so to say. So you really have to examine yourself when reading the book and going over the exercises that you laid out in the book. So a person may feel like, what is she talking about? I don't have self-esteem issues, but I do make poor choices. Um, so could you like to explain that in some detail if you can? Sure. Um, actually, I like to use as a point of reference, I like to use um, a discussion that I saw in a chat this week um, on Facebook. There was a gentleman who was posing the question to everyone in the group. He was saying that, you know, he's he was with a woman. He said it wasn't him, but he said he was with a woman who was very attractive and that he spent a lot of his time, you know, trying telling her that she was beautiful, trying to convince her that she was beautiful and that she kept seeking validation outside of herself and that he didn't, what should he do in his, in that situation? And everyone in the group was saying she has low self-esteem and he just couldn't understand that because of how he was looking at her external appearance. And the good, the, the good job, the good looks, life look like it's well put together, everything got it going on. And this is where you talk about that, that sometimes we have these things as a validation on who we are, who we think we are, but it's not really who we are. It's not really who we are. Um, there are plenty of people, not just women, but men also, who present you know, as if everything is well and, and, and looking at them, you would you would perceive, oh, they have it all. I want to have what they have, you know, but in their quiet time, what is it that what are the issues of the heart that they're dealing with? And it's very easy. I think I think the things like the car, 
clothes, the house, you know, money, even job status, all of those things can kind of hide what's happening in the heart. And, you know, if you're not feeling that great about yourself, it is going to lead possibly to some poor choices. So my goal is to have a look at what's happening with our hearts, make sure that we take care of that um, so that we can make good choices to protect it. So that's the question we ask in, in the chat. Um, how do you protect your heart? What are the ways to you protect your heart? Um, we know that a lot of us put a lot of passion and effort and we're not just talking about relationships. I know a lot of times when we talk about love, a lot of people try to um, switch it to relationships um, or nuclear relationships, so to say. We're talking about the relationship that you may have with your family. We're talking about your relationship that you may have with your coworker, your siblings. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do to protect your heart. Um, at the end of the day, like I said, Julia's book is written as a self-help book. So it's all about self. This is the time when you see yourself on your journey, as we say, to the throne and re reestablishing your crown. You have to be selfish. You have to be selfish in your journey. So what are you doing? The question we asking is, what are you doing to protect your heart? One of the things, one of the questions I ask in the book is, what if you... Everything is not as it seems. Yes. Good yeah. evening, Nicole. Nicole, it's interesting that you said that because I actually told a coworker that today. Um, so what, Nicole, we ask you, what, what do you mean like everything is not what it seems? Um, when, when, as a woman going through her journey, when you're reestablishing yourself or re, re, reclaiming, we always got to remember that we're all reclaiming our crown. Yes. Um, in reclaiming your crown, what are you doing to protect your heart? What are you doing? T. Lachelle said, I'm diverting my attention, my focus to my business. And that's good. You can get some fulfillment from that. Um, one of the things that, you know, I try to speak to my friends about who I know are in business is, you know, make sure. One of the things that the Bible says is um, like creating me a clean heart. And to me, if it says creating me a clean heart, it means that we are going to have experiences that might harden our heart or, or might make our hearts a little a little murky, you know, and the the when I studied when I studied the little bit that I did study about, you know, the heart and its influence on our emotions and all those other things, the heart is shaped like a fist, which means it's supposed to be strong. But as it as it get encounters like damage, there's fluid that that builds up around it, so it weakens it a bit. T. Lachelle said, "I know it may not be healthy, but my money won't break my heart." That's Absolutely. right. <laughs> Absolutely. I know, uh, Julia. I know that you you speak about um, and we asking anybody in the chat. Um, usually we don't speak about uh, belief systems or religion, um, but if you whatever your belief system or religion is uh when it references the heart you're more than you're more than welcome to share that and your experience of like we say taking care of your heart and protecting your heart julia just spoke about the bible and and coming forth and having a clean heart i know um 
in Islam, it says that um, Allah will not change the condition of a people till they first change what is in their hearts. And coming to coming coming back to Allah with uh, having a pure heart, this is another verse in reference to it. And being being careful because we always know that in in, in the book Julia explains these levels and chapters, and the reason why they're placed at a certain point is that having that clean heart and understanding what you need to do to make sure and protect the heart, you can't have that bitterness. You have to be right. Um, Nicole said, I'm careful who I allow into my life or who I entertain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ain't nobody got time. Ain't nobody got time. I think, you know, one of the things that might be unfortunate for us is that we're not taught to protect our heart, not in that way. And so because we're not, we might have all of these experiences where, you know, majority of them hopefully are positive, but we might have those experiences where our heart might be broken. And as our heart is broken, our thinking and our behavior changes because then we start to learn, okay, I have to protect my heart. And the reason why this is in the book is because some people will take a very positive and proactive approach towards protecting their heart. Like Nicole said, being careful and selective about who she chooses. But some people put up a wall to protect their heart. And my feeling is if you don't, if you don't let anything in, then you also cannot let anything out. So it's just like, it's important to have that tough skin, but also to allow yourself the freedom to love yourself and to be open. DKB said, protect your heart, one, respect to clear expectations about what's tolerable and what's not, regardless mm -hmm. of who it is. And mm -hmm. amputation, amputation of toxic folks from <laughs> our lives with necessary. Yeah, you're, absolute, you're absolutely right, DKB. Hi, DKB. Um, and I definitely, and, and I'm quite sure Julia agrees with this as well as myself. But mm -hmm. DKB, I want to ask you a specific question. Um, what are you, What are you doing to protect your heart every day um, I don't know who specifically who you are, but as someone always in the chat, and we appreciate your support, what do you do every day to protect your heart, maybe from your mate, um, your family, your job, um, toxic people that may be outside? Because a lot of times, toxic people um, don't know they're being toxic. They think they're being healthy, and they may mm. be healthy. They may be healthy to them. But they right. may be they may be toxic to you because you right. can have some stuff. You could be doing your cleanse, and we all talk about a, a emotional cleanse, a spiritual cleanse, a physical cleanse. But you mm -hmm. could be going through your emotional cleanse, and everybody that's in your circle could be toxic to you <laughs> during your cleanse. Right. So we so we ask you know um, everybody in the chat. This is why we ask everybody in the chat. What are you doing to protect your heart? We know. Um, like Nicole said, you can avoid certain people, but now you're dealing with the the the, the best friend that's the coworker. Mm. We all got our friend at, at the job that like, yo, this is my friend. We we work well together. We think alike when it comes to business. But you going through your cleanse where you're trying to get right. You know something uneasy in your soul because you know we we explained it. The heart is the root of the the car. So when you're going through your journey of you know, I got to get right. 
I gotta get right. Everybody goes through fast. I know a lot of people just went through fast during um Lenten season. During, during, during Lent until Easter. I know that I know that Ramadan's coming up for the people that, that practice Islamic faith in two weeks. So when you're going through that fast, that fast is not just a physical fast, it's more of a spiritual, emotional fast. Mental. So you ain't gonna sit there and tell your husband or your wife. No, you're toxic. No, you toxic. You have been married for 15, 20 years, and you telling your wife or your husband, yeah, you toxic as hell. And that's that's the difficult thing, right? You have to, I think sometimes you have to measure and you have to balance who's in, who's important to stay and who's important, who who's necessary to go. There, there's a saying, there's a saying that goes, everybody can't go with you. And I don't think a lot of people put meaning behind that. But to me, what that means is that when you're in a particular mindset or emotional state, you may not see the toxicity that's around you, or you may not, on a timeout, on knockoff. <laughs> hey, what's up, Cal? Frank Calvin said hello. Yeah, Nicole, you're right. Sometimes you got to put people on knockoff. Um, but you still but remember Nicole, and I'm not, and I'm not disputing nobody on their journey. Those very same people are part of your circle. Yeah. Because see, usually, you usually, you know how they say you have to be, you have to be broken first before you're fixed. Everybody assesses themselves differently, so you may feel like you know what, I'm I'm cursing too much. Maybe I need to stop watching so much of these particular shows. Now you start to detox from these shows, but this has become routine in your household. Um, it might be your best, like I said, it might be your best friend at work. Y'all talk about a specific, a specific show, your mother, your, your father, your brother, your, your, um, your mate. You, this is your routine talking about this show, but you realize that this show is making you curse a lot. So you may not want to use foul language. Like I said, you're not going to tell that person they're toxic. but no. they bring, So they may come to you, well, you know what I was watching on the... For example, I know me and Julia both love The Wire. And Julia watched The Wire twice a year. So if I'd be like, Julia, remember the scene? Such and such, such and such, such and such. And she could not be there. She could be doing some, some gutting of some emotions right now. And she could be like, she can't be like, Quentin, you toxic. No. <laughs> It's a matter of choice and preference. I mean, it's okay. A person is not toxic because they have different beliefs than you do or because they handle situations different than you do or because they speak differently than you do. A person is toxic when they're harming you. So if you have different things that you like or different things that you enjoy and a person that's in your circle may like things that you may not agree with, you can have that conversation. Like, I'm not into that right now. You know, I really don't want to talk about that right now. This is what I'm into. And then you can find other things that you enjoy together. Tila but they Shelf don't have to be cut off. Tila. Yeah. It's biblical. When Jesus Tila went Shelf up to... It's biblical. Mm-hmm. Go, go ahead, ahead. Quinn. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a delay, so said, you go. Said, it's biblical when when Jesus went up to the mountain with the disciples, he left the multitude behind because he was taking the few to their next level of faith. 
That's what I'm saying. Like when they say everybody can't go with you, it's when you're in the multitude, for example, you're doing what the multitude is doing. And at the moment that you decide that you want something better for yourself or you're moving to that next level or you want to create more with your business, the people who were supporting you at this level may or may not be able to support you at your next level. Right. And so it's important to be able to identify, OK, who's going to this next level or who can be with me on this next level? Who's aligned to my thinking? Who's aligned to the way that I, I want to protect my heart and kind of look at those things and then, you know, have those conversations. It doesn't have to be, you know, brutal. Yeah, it kind of Tila Shell speaking about his biblical. It, may, it reminded me of a conversation that me and Sister Dozier had yesterday. <laughs> My sister Dozier. Yeah. Never again. <laughs> so, so I was I was sharing with Quentin how I was sharing with Quentin how I was attending a church and the pastor there was very gracious and she they offered me an opportunity to deliver uh, a speech on a scripture. And the scripture was about Sarah and the fact that she couldn't have this baby and that she gave another one to her husband so that they could have a baby and that she didn't have a baby until 100 years old. And I started talking about, well, if she really wanted a baby, these are the different things that she could have done. So my message to, <laughs> to the audience was, some things you can't wait on and some things, if you want, go get them. <laughs> and after I finished, she was like, thank you, Sister Doja. <laughs> and never asked me to yeah. speak again. <laughs> Quinn. Yeah. Never again. You never again. Giving, you was not giving the right message. Even though the message sounded good, it, it just wasn't the right message at the time. But that's the thing, though, right? Sometimes we have to we have to be willing to question because one of the things that we that we also see, like in scripture, is you know, um, if somebody slaps you seven times, turn the other cheek and let them slap you seven more. No, I don't feel like being slapped. There's no reason for you to slap me, right? So sometimes you have to question these things. But those kind of ideas and those ideologies talking about identity are the things that allow us to to stay in situations where we're hurt. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 Tila Shell. I had her cracking up for about five miles while I was driving. <laughs> I called her sister Doja boy. She was in in, in, in She in, fired in, me. Yeah. yeah, it was it was something. Like but no. My, yeah. One of, one of the other questions that me and Julia have is what would be the first thing you would want someone to know about your heart when meeting you? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, you you guys in the chat, when you meet somebody, do you tell them about your heart? I mean, I, that could be a little forward. I always say that when we meet people that we're quote unquote interested in, and now we're talking about a relationship thing. Um, you don't tell them, everybody always seems in, in the hindsight is always 2020. Yes, everybody, everybody always seems to say, oh, I met this guy and I should have known. Oh, I met this girl and I should have known. And then they act like they asked all these questions, like they little pulled out a little pocket notebook and asked <laughs> all these questions. You right. were physically attracted to that person. 
Right. Physically, in a day, you were physically attracted to them so much so that you just ran through the signs. So I, I always believed it. I always try to, for me, I always try to tell people to knock it off and stop blaming the person for being who they were and start looking at yourself because I know you don't like the word, Julia. You were the picker and you, mm-hmm. you chose that person. Um, so what would be the thing, what would be the first thing you would want someone to know about your yeah, heart? Being you? Would you tell somebody about your heart? Like, you know, my heart been broken. And would you tell them your heart been broken from your father, your mother, your siblings, your family? Or would you just go into past relationships? Because if you met so if you met a guy and be like, yo, my family, my my heart was broken from my family. I'm estranged from my family. That may push someone away. It might. Or it may push them to you. So would you tell them that? Okay, T Lachelle said a very interesting question. She said, everyone's heart is fragile. Everyone's heart has been through trauma. You're not the you're not the exactly but people walk around acting like they're impenetrable and like they pay like, attention t lachelle got new language going on the only i love it <laughs> only it's only it's been an addiction for a while now but um people walk around like they're they're not vulnerable and they're not fragile And I think that that is definitely a problem because we are fragile. We're worth being being protected and nurtured. We are very fragile. Some of the most most fragilest people are the most drivenest people as well. Absolutely. I mean, because what drives them is is to not show how fragile they are. So they'll show the outside strength. They'll... You'll think they're career driven. You think they're motivated. They're how, but they, but inside they're hurting because they're missing something else that makes them feel like we talk about. Um, well, sometimes they get fulfillment from that that they're not able to get from people. Mm. Say that again, please. Sometimes they're driven because they get a fulfillment from from succeeding, um, and they don't get that same fulfillment from interacting with people or haven't had, you know, that experience consistently. So that's where their focus lies. They know they'll, they'll never fail in what they're doing for themselves or, or, or what they're doing for others. But So Nicole said, I do make the statement that I could be your best friend or your worst enemy. And Nicole Inter- no joke. <laughs> interesting that you said that, Nicole. Why? And, and, you know, I'm not questioning how you feel and how you move about on, on your value system. Um, I'm never questioning nobody when we do our shows. It's just to, it's just to try to get a better understanding of the, of the perspective. Why would you want to be someone's worst enemy, Nicole? Think about that. Gina Storm said, fragile and strong, that's me. But, but yes. Ex- ex- explain your, your fragility. Um, why why do you think you're fragile, um, Gina? What what makes you believe that you're fragile? When everybody on the outside could see or believe that you're strong, they see your strength, they see that you you motivated, they see your energy that you bring. What would make you think that you're fragile? I love that she says that she's both, 
Because who said we had to be one or another? But I would love to hear her answer. Hi, Gina Storm. And that and that <laughs> and, the, and and Julia, that goes back to the quote unquote stereotype that a black woman always has to be strong. And they can never show that that sign of fragility and being emotional and being transparent and saying saying to their, their, their significant other, saying to their best friend, saying to their coworkers, like, look, I'm weak, yo. My heart is I'm, my I'm heart weak. is hurting. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm weak today. We got some we got just like rapid fire now. Okay. Okay. We got a couple things and we got a we got our brother in here. There we go. Brian said, you have to be patient and mature enough to be the person revealing themselves in their actions. Bottom lines comes quicker than you think. Very profound statement. And I always Thanks, say, Brian. Brian, I always say, Brian, that adversity reveals a man to himself. Um, you, you, some of us don't know ourselves too until we go through some um, adversity, trauma, and we'll think, oh, I'm not strong. I'm not and, strong. Oh, you are strong in this area, or you might be weak in that area. And that's the that's the thing that you know I, I hope to allow the reader to get to in this chapter is that we have the perception, all of us, that we have to show up as if we have it all together. Now, I'm not saying that we have to show up acting like we're weak and falling apart. No, but I believe it's a it's first important for us to be honest with ourselves about where we're at and what we need and what we don't so that we can have that honest conversation with someone else. And either they'll be able to respond to it. And most people will say, yeah, I got you. But like Brian said, time will reveal if they got you or not. But don't expect to have some don't expect someone to have you over the lie that you told. Mm -hmm. So Nicole said, I don't, but to let you know that you need to be careful with how you deal with me. <laughs> Nicole oh, is no joke. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, uh, sounds a little scary there. but uh, Nicole is my buddy. <laughs> Nicole, we're going to move right along. <laughs> so Gina, Gina came back and said, my heart is on my sleeve and my transparency causes pains I bounce back from regularly. So here's another My thing. My tests give me the strength and testimonies. So here's the other thing that you know we discuss in the chapter, and in, and 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 more so in other chapters, is that one of the things that we begin to appreciate about ourselves is our threshold for pain. Hmm. And the fact that we can go through trial after trial and I'm gonna get stronger and I'm gonna be better and I'm gonna learn this and I'm gonna learn that. But there's other ways to learn, right? We don't have to hurt in order to grow. But if that's how always been our experience, then that's what we'll always expect. And there's other ways for us to get to what we want to accomplish than hurting. T. Lachelle said, what I've learned about me is that when I begin to feel low vibrational or depressed, I step into my zone. I change gears quickly to goal-oriented tasks to feel some sort of accomplishment. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. that's, that's interesting that T. Lachelle said that because um, I can identify with that, that drive. Um, a lot of times um, 
you may have the drive and the ambition to help, 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 help. Because you might be, and this is what motivates you. Like, you like to help. You like to show up for people. You like to do this, do that. And when you can't get other people to see your vision or to see, like, yo, I see greatness in you. Why you can't see it in yourself? And then you take on the energy or the low vibration that they have going on. And then you like, oh, oh, I'm pissed off. I can't even deal with them. Like, oh, you know. But I'm, that's why they, they don't see it because they don't see it. Yeah. Hold on. We don't always have to hurt in order to grow. Yes. Yeah, that's true, Nicole. A lot of times we think that if a person says to, to you, um, you call a person on the what you doing this weekend? Um, nothing. I'm just cleaning. You know, I'm letting my house air out. I'm opening all the windows. I got the lemon going on, the lemon pie saw going on. I'm trying to get rid of some of this stuff going on. They could just be going through their cleaning season, going through what they need to go through, clearing their head from work. Like, you know, sometimes we some of us are easy to not bring work home or homework and vice versa. But then you might have a week where it's, everything's just crazy. So you're doing the cleaning. And the person will be like, oh, you, you, you're going through something. And then they'll keep pushing. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's, nah, ain't nothing wrong. Just, I'm good. I'm just I'm fine. And a lot of times we think that in order to grow. And that is what I you you working from the negative. You're in the red already. And now you're trying to get in the green. And you never even went through the balance, the middle point. You never even broke even. And that and that's a dangerous place to be in because if you feel like you can't grow unless you're hurting, that's the, you're setting yourself up. And Quinson, you know, we on the on the on the on the topic of relationships, people will see. Like you said, they'll they'll be attracted to the physicality or whatever else that they're attracted to in that person. And they'll see that, you know, maybe not everything is not adding up or there might be a potential in the future that there will be a problem. I think I personally believe that people go forward with it because of the past experiences that they have where it didn't work out and they were able to heal themselves from it. They have this idea in their mind that, you know, if it doesn't work out, then I'll just go through my process of getting myself better again. But you can't get every heartbreak is not the same. So if you see that there's a potential for harm to your beautiful heart, protect your heart. What what are you proving by going forward? In the book, in the book, for those in the chat, Julia wrote an uh, exercise. It's yes. the fourth, it's the fourth exercise. Yes. Nine points to the fourth exercise. Yes. What, what do you think about your face? What do you think about your hair? What do you think about your body? What is it that you are wishing was different about you? Mm-hmm. What do you wish what what do you wish these things were different? Why? How would you how how would having the ideal outer appearance benefit you? Are mm-hmm. these things are these things that are about you personal appearance that you can change? If there are things that you cannot change, how do you feel about those things that will remain the same? And what if you were perfect? 
according to the standard. That you created, you created in your own, your own mind. mind. And that's that's something because like you said in like you said in the beginning of the chapter, and we didn't discuss it and we could discuss it now, is that poverty stage stage. Explain that and explain um what 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 you meant and why'd you place that in the book? So in the book, I talk about I talk about the the harms of poverty. And one of the things or a few of the things that I know about poverty from observing it, from attempting to study it, is that it has uh, it can have a negative influence on your self-identity or it can have a positive um, influence like those people who are driven. But one of the things that tends to happen in an impoverished environment is that there's there's some people that have more than others. And so those people who have more than others appear to be on the top of the people that they're, they're basically at the same level with and that that can cause animosity. But it also it also. Um, contributes to the development of your identity so that if you're the person who has more, your idea of yourself is that you're a better person. And if you have less, then your idea could be that you're not you're not a be a, um, the best person or that you can't win or that something happened wrong that you don't have what they have. And those ideas about ourselves and our value and our self-worth can travel with us into adulthood so that when we are maybe outside of poverty, we haven't we haven't let go of that mentality of always trying to evaluate where we are on the scale of things. But the reality is, is like just like everybody has a unique fingerprint, everybody's heart is unique. And if you evaluate yourself based on your heart and not these other things that are going on outside, you see that you are always the winner, that you're never lacking, that you're always <laughs> Is it, I'm gonna ask you. Do you think that societal norms change all the time? Um, yes and no. I think that there's there's always a competition, but we just compete on about different things over the years. Yeah, because it, you know, and, and I agree. This it's it's fluid. It's definitely um, a lot of things that have narratives have changed over the years, um, good and bad. Mm -hmm. I, I do think like um we we had discussed earlier in the week like wh who who is anybody to call another individual ugly so to say I mean these these when you think about the description of the word or to use this word to characterize somebody or even even its opposite beauty um who is anybody to say who and who is not beautiful who is anybody to say who and who is not is ugly? Like, how we we allow society to have so much um, influence on our lives, and it's a danger. It's a dangerous thing. And then, in that journey of rediscovering yourself, it's like you have to get rid of all of those societal norms, all the 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 baggage, so to say. Not not particularly your baggage that you may have. But you know, one of, the, one of the most profound <laughs> episodes in um 
and I and, I, and it's and it's funny, Julia. I'm surprised you didn't tell me to get the footage for this. One yes. of the most profound episodes in um how to get away with murder was um when Viola Davis she took off all her makeup and took off her wig. And, yes. and and she even explained it how that was a more of a statement as an encouragement to women, to other women, to get rid of those societal norms and and be who you are and to understand that you are, as they say, uh in Jesse Jackson's old statements, you are somebody, you are the star, you are important, you are love, you are a woman of strength, you are a woman of vulnerability. So I always okay. thought that was interesting about societal norms. Let me see what Tila Shell said. Societal norms. Remember when light-skinned folks was in style? LOL. Get out of here. LOL. You're right. And this and, and it's a day. It's those of us that remember that era. Um, and I think that it's an era like the the, the age group that you may be in. When you're going through it, or like we would always say, light-skinned people went out in the '80s. When, when you think about it, how how did that type of um, colorism affect your thinking? For for me, I, I love I love this topic. I think for me, when I was younger, growing up, when light skin was in, right to um, so you was red bone. I hate that word, but yes. <laughs> My bones are white like everybody else, but okay. <laughs> but to be light, it was like it was like I was favored, and and I didn't understand at the time that it wasn't even about me personally. It was about the fact that I might have been in, and you know, moving into into the two thousands and the the black girl magic and brown skin and all of those other things not fitting into that and how how that how that felt. Right. I almost felt invisible mm. um, on a certain level. And I had to, like, get away from all of that and understand that a lot of that is about, you know, trying to. People are always going to have different ideas about what's in. And. And what's to be celebrated and what's to be honored. And sometimes all of us are not going to fit in all of those categories. And so to me, it's like important to know that you stand alone. You're not in competition with anyone. Mm. You're not in competition with anyone. And whatever is being celebrated at the time, join in on the celebration. <laughs> what? I mean, they've, it'll they've, be something they've, different in a little while. David talked about that with... um in the movie Coming to America too, while Eric LaSalle wasn't in the movie. Instead of just saying, you know, Eric LaSalle is a writer for Chicago PD. Right. They tried to say, well, you know, the light-skinned dudes went out in the 80s, <laughs> even with the jerry curls. So it was no right. need for him to be in the movie. Actually, he was he's working on other projects. But yes. it's, it's, it's amazing how like, like just the discovery of who you are who you were told you are as a child um, by your parents, you know, um, your mother being basically being the first teacher, like, are you pretty? Are you Did you even ugly? ever hear that? Are you are ugly? You ugly? Mm -hmm. uh, I know one of the biggest things um, for those of us of a certain age was 
you got good hair. What's bad hair? I All mean, of these things. The, the, bad, the bad hair had nothing to do with whether um, your edges break off because most people's <laughs> edges didn't break off back then. But, you know, and that comes from, you know, it could be hereditary, it could be from perms or whatever a person right. wants to say when a person's edges break off. Right. But I'm saying when a person says good and bad hair, is basically talking about the grade of your hair. And then they'll say, oh, I got Indian in me. Afraid. Mm -hmm. And it comes, it speaks a lot about us because a person may say they got Indian in them and they don't got no Indian in them. It's just a point of being afraid to be black, being afraid to be a descendant of a slave, being, having pride with who you are. You are exactly how you are. I think one of the, the most profound, beautiful and ridiculous scenes I have ever seen in a movie was in Spike Lee's, um, what was the movie about college? School days. School days, couldn't remember <laughs> that. But the 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 fight in the beauty parlor between the brown girls and and you, the, the whole good and bad hair song, it was so it was so deep because it really highlighted how we go back and forth with each other about who is better. And, the, and and if you if you believe in spirituality and, and or organized religion, the only thing that's going to get be better is the person with the pure heart. So Tila Shell says, in our society, we hear so many things about what is wrong with us that we fail to take those inner intimate moments to celebrate ourselves. You're exactly right. You're and exactly so that's. Right, Absolutely. And so that's what the question is about. If yeah, you Brian. are 90, 90% ain't got no Indian in it. <laughs> exactly. And we be we we really be going through it. Um I, I'm I'm gonna use Brian for example, because the brother the brother uh he got the waves going, right? Mr. T you know, you know, so so Brian might tell somebody, somebody might say something to Brian about his ways, and he might be like, look, man, I get brush downs every day, and I throw berries and juices in there. <laughs> and then, and then, you, then you may have a person that was taught a certain thing say to Brian, oh, uh, I don't got good hair like that. What do you mean you don't got good hair? If it's if it's growing out of your scalp on a regular basis, your hair is good. <laughs> yeah, you, you and just, style you, it, it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because excuse me, excuse me, and I'm not tired. That's the crazy thing. Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, now we do now we doing a show on Brian's ways. Since <laughs> Brian ways got those dips and slides, I'm getting seasick. <laughs> But that's the thing. Like, if you, if the only thing that you can walk into a room with was your heart, if your heart was leading, is your heart in good condition? Yeah. Have you taken Have you taken care of your heart? What would, What would it say about who you are, as opposed to all of these other things that we have going on with us? Because that's where it's at. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was sharing something with Julia this week is that 
um, we were talking about less talk, and we was talking about visions, and 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 what the vision is. And I was sharing with her some stuff, like you know, a lot of people may not realize who you are. They base who you are based off of what you do. Mm-hmm. And this is a this is a trap that we have in our society is that, you know, even dealing with celebrities, we'll think a celebrity is a nice, nice person because of what they show definitely when it comes to movie actors on screen. Or we think this person is so nice and they got this down third and they could be the complete jerk outside of screen and vice versa. They could be perceived as a jerk. Um, and this is what the facade this and, and we and sometimes even in our normal lives, and this is when a lot of people say that we're living in the matrix or we're living in a, a movie as right now, we sometimes we allow the facade of who we are, like a lot of people, and I know Nicole mentioned it before about when you meet somebody, you meet the representative. For the first 90 to 120 days, better believe it. Yeah, Brian, 30% Nigerian, 40% Guyana, 30% English. Hey, Brian, uh, uh, all I can say is they don't be wanting to admit that English style. They don't, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't, they don't go to uh, Ancestry.com and then they find out the colonizer blood all up in them. They be mad as hell because, you know, they be, you know, that be the anger part. Like, I can't believe it. I can't, well, you believe it. You see, uh, you know, you got a little you know, lightness to you. Everything ain't a total darkness. <laughs> so, <laughs> so silly. <laughs> so, so, Jules, the, the, the facade of, like we say, like we always want to always refer back to the book when going through that journey and, and pulling the layers back and saying, damn, I, I got to reestablish my crown but I'm really not the person who everybody think I am. I've been living a facade for a long time. Sometimes I, we're living that facade with ourselves. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm. I got a soft heart, but I show a, a, a hard exterior. Yes. Maybe that hard exterior is the reason why my life is in shambles. But I really got a soft heart. I really want people to know that I'm tender-hearted. I do care. I do have empathy. I do have kindness, but I don't want to show it because I, instead, you, you, it's like the 52 fake out. You think you're going to get hurt. So you do this to not get hurt. Meanwhile, you're hurting yourself the entire time because you're not allowing yourself to experience the richness and the fullness and the magnificence of this life and this planet and this uh, these other people that we have been we have been blessed to be around and your heart will let you know when danger is around so you'll know you got to trust yourself to make the right choices i think you make a, a valid point some people don't trust that they will make the right choice yeah it's and it because it, it, it's so easy and you know they always people you always use um <laughs> The, the, the analogy of, yeah, when you point your one finger at people, your other three fingers is pointing back at yourself. It's so easy for us to point ourselves, our fingers at other people. And I always say to myself, when I always hear about relationships, somebody has to be the victim. Mm. 
somebody has to be the victim. Instead of saying, you know what, I did that. I did destroy that. I made that choice. I did this. I did that. And then start working on themselves and then start doing what they need to do and pulling those layers back and realizing, you know what? I let I let that person get away with it for so long that this is why they were comfortable doing this. And not 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 holding yourself hostage to your decisions, but being able to say, you know what, I made a bad decision, I made bad choices. Let me move on and make better decisions, better choices, and having the good positive self-esteem so I can make the good positive choices. Absolutely. I think some sometimes it's important to understand, you know, not only that we made certain choices. I know Brian is tripping me out too. It's um it's 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 not only important to acknowledge that we may have not made good decisions, but I think it's also important to ask ourselves the question why. And and generally when we ask the question wh- why, what we what we can understand is that those choices are usually wrapped around self-esteem or self-worth. Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and do this because I don't know when I'm gonna have a chance to do this again. You know what I mean? Like, no, you're always gonna have a chance to be happy. I do have a surprise video here. Uh oh. Good if I hear what do I care? See if I care. And this in this video I'm gonna watch that. I was challenged with the mirror at work. I cried for so long because it revealed deep pain in the learning who I am now after trauma. After many transitions in my life, I have to do that regularly. And that's, and Tila Shell, that's a good thing. Like, you know, I have a friend, um, he does that every morning. He, he started it about 27 years ago, where he would, he tells me, even to this day when we conversate, I'm like, are you still doing your mirror routine? He'd be like, yeah. He he looks at himself in the mirror every morning and and tries to and says, I want to be better than I was yesterday. Um, something that he promised his mother that he would do before she passed away, and he continues to do it now. I want to honor Tila Shao for for her transparency and just her her openness and her vulnerability. I love it. I don't know if she's referring to the mirror exercise in the book. But the very first exercise in the book is to go to your mirror and to take your time not to make any affirmations, not to make any promises, but just to see yourself. Just to like really, really just look at yourself. And, you know, part of it is to see if you see your crown because it is there. But the other part is just to see your beauty without all of the negative stuff or without all of the negative experience, like to just see yourself in this moment and how beautiful and magnificent you are. So people shout thank you. So I want to show this video and I want to, it's, it's a video we showed when we were doing our crown rules too. Yes. And um, it's a very interesting point that, Brian actually made, and it's a video of Brian, and I want to talk about something that he said during the video. Hello, this is Brian Donald James. Um, I want to thank Quentin for allowing me to 
to comment on um, uh, marriage uh, tips, uh, do's and don'ts, I guess, if you will. I've been married about uh, 26 years, and um, I, I could share about maybe six tips, I think. Um, I can concentrate on those. Um, I think the first one is that do not get married uh, if you are a selfish individual. Um, it, it just doesn't work, you know. Um, I always tell my sons that being a man in the household is not ordering everyone around and, and uh, you know, being a big boss and all of that. Um, it's the understanding that humbleness, you know, comes first. Everyone and everything in that house comes before you. That includes the dog, the goldfish, and everybody else. Um, and that's how I tried to be um, as a husband and as a father to them, to try to put everyone first. Um, so if you're a selfish individual, male or female, you know, it's just not going to work. Two, I, I never tried to keep up with the Joneses. You know, there was a time where, I mean, true, me and my wife, we were taught and we bought real estate when we were very young um but we had people around us uh, cashing in in the real estate uh rush i believe it was around 2008 or so and buying uh, homes that they couldn't afford and taking trips and all of this other stuff and we we, we just couldn't do it you know because i knew that that wasn't the best move for my family and unfortunately, a lot of my friends and family, they did lose, uh, you know, their homes and things in, in that real estate crash. So you can't keep up with the Joneses. Um, three, you really have to have a, a open mind. You know, um, you know, I'm just returning to writing full time. Um, but I remember me and my wife being in this little one bedroom apartment. And we had a little bit of money left. And I was like, no, baby, you know, I'm going to delay uh, assisting the publisher to publish my first book, a little chapbook. And um, she was like, no. She said, this is your dream. I, I want you to, you know, to pursue that. And I went ahead and I did that. And um, I was successful at it. Um, but, um, you know, she's always been very successful I'm sorry, very supportive of every dream and everything, every goal, you know, that I've had. And uh, you have to do that for your spouse. Um, uh, you learn from your mistakes, you know. Um, you know, we were young homeowners. And we um, um, had all this credit, <laughs> which we quickly ran up. And then we got bad credit and had to dig our way out of that. Um, so it's important to learn from your from your mistakes and, you know, not to uh, repeat them. Um, and then um, agree to disagree sometimes. You know, I respect my wife as being an intelligent person. And sometimes we don't agree. You know, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. Sometimes I will um, still support her even if I don't agree and, and, and hope for the best, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and, and all the crazy schemes that I've had over the years, uh, uh, I, 
I, I suspect that she's definitely done the same, even if she didn't agree. Um, and sometimes you just agree to, to disagree and leave it alone. No point in arguing and bringing emotion into it and things of that nature. It's, it's negative energy, you know. Um, and, um, oh, last but not least, you know, marriage is a choice. Never forget that. Never forget that your wife makes a choice when she leaves out of the out of the house to come back in the house, you know, and that and that's for men as well, you know. It is a choice. <clears throat> never take, um, never take your spouse for granted. Um, that that's major. That really should be number one, two, three, four, and five. You know, never ever um, take your take your spouse for granted. And you always have to compete. You know, my father-in-law once told me, he was a country man from South Carolina. He said, boy, don't stop competing, you know. And uh, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. So I hope that that, um, if you're considering marriage or if you're married now, that these things will help you. And, um, you know, every day is a blessing and it takes work. So I think uh, those would be the points that I would concentrate on. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, and, I, and like I said, um, always thanks, thanks again, Brian, for that. Um, the point that I wanted to, the reason why I wanted to show that video once again was um, his last point where he spoke about choices. This is something that we may not understand or hold it, you you got choices. You have choices. The person you may or may not be with has choices. Um, Understanding those choices and respecting those choices and knowing that those choices, and it's funny because even speaking about it now, um, me and Julia had a couple conversations this week and we were talking about choices and boundaries. Setting those boundaries early, even when we talk about telling a person about your heart, that's setting those boundaries early. That's letting them know, like, look, I got a choice. I I have choices whether I choose to allow you, like Nicole said, to be in my space or to share, like, because you're sharing, you're literally giving yourself to someone. It may not be physically, but you're literally giving someone your time um, reclaim, as me and Julia say, oh, you reclaiming time today? I'm claiming my time. <laughs> so, so we got to realize that, you know, it's a choice that you do to give yourself to someone else. Your heart. Your heart. And, um, so we need to be very, very mindful of that. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So Jules, uh, is it any last statements or comments that you would like to address before we wrap up the show? Yes, I just want to drive home the importance of taking care of our hearts. I did some research today and not trying to end on a somber note, but the the leading cause of death for black women is heart disease. And the leading cause of death for black men is heart disease. So not only diet, exercise, you know, uh, stress management and all of those other things 
but also doing our best to try to protect our heart and eliminate further trauma to it. And that that comes um, that comes through the choices that we make. And just remember that your heart is um, as unique as your fingerprint. And it's the only one that you have. It supports the function in your body, but it also carries your love, your joy, your hurt, your pain. It carries all of that. So just make sure that you take care of it and honor yeah. it. Yeah, and I know that it may appear that Julia is speaking um, from a medical aspect, but it's not really a medical aspect. I mean, even even when you look up this information, um, if you look on YouTube, you look on Google, there. You, see, you see the correlation that it has with dealing with the emotions that affect your heart. I mean, they all tie in. I mean, I know one time, you know how like you go you go to uh get you go to the doctor to get a wellness check and they may be like, Well, you gain weight and they order they automatically may assume that you got high blood pressure. Right. Because being overweight is one of the factors. Right. And vice versa. And then you may be a smaller person who you may have high blood pressure. You may have a bad heart. You may be a person that just is you're a stressor, so to say, and it's nothing wrong with stress. It's called good stress and bad stress. But you may have a bad stressing thing, and you may be 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 doing things that's very harmful for your heart. So in understanding that morsel of flesh that's in between, that's in your breast area, um, protect it at all costs, um, so, uh, spiritually, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And, um, yes. Is very important. I'm I'm surprised that Julia did not put this chapter first, but I always say she has a reason for it all. And um, yeah, with that, with that, everybody in the chat, we appreciate you guys for joining us. Yes. And remember, always like, share, and subscribe. Yes. With that, have a blessed night and take care. Mm -hmm.